welcome back to On the Ground, a podcast specifically, though not exclusively, for the members of the Gathering Church in Peterborough, Ontario. We are here in uh, glorious Technicolor sound this week, thanks to uh, a friend, uh, Daryl Parsons, a shout out there, who actually knew what he was doing, and he showed us how to use a microphone and to not sound like we're shouting through a concrete wall, so I'm sure our <laughs> listeners will appreciate that. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm here again with Alex, and we are joined today by our third and arguably most competent pastor. I thought I'd, I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Rylan Auger, glad to have you with us. Yeah, well, brother. thanks for having me. Most competent is uh, uh, an overstatement. Okay, well, hopefully you can bring some method to the madness. Yeah, hopefully. All right, well, as we think about practical theology, it's hard to think of few things more practical than what most of us do all day. Uh, we're talking work. What is it? Why is it? Can it be redeemed? Do we just lose those hours? Uh, if it can be redeemed, how do we do it? So to start things off, maybe it'd be helpful if we went around and each recalled a job that maybe we've worked at in the past and uh, some challenges we had while working there. Yeah, I, I can go first. Um, I The job I currently work for, actually, I've been working there for five years now which seems like a milestone, but I'm still pretty young. So, um, And I think the thing I discovered at this job while working there, um, it's uh, it's not a typical 9 to 5, it's shift work. So 7 to 3, 3 to 7, or 3 to 11, and 11 to 7 if you're unlucky, is, is a certain uh, meaninglessness, which is really interesting because the whole point of my job is is working in a, in a group home and trying to actually help the people there um, feel meaning. But I, I feel like I've really come to understand there's a sense of when you don't feel invested in the purpose of your work, mm-hmm. um, you, you tend to derive from it a sense of meaninglessness. Like, why am I here? Um, or, or you treat it, it's just, it's just a grind. I'm just here to make money. And, uh, and it becomes very problematic, actually. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that and why those things are. But that's, the, that's what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, this podcast is for you, Rylan. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's been encouraging prepping for it. Um, I just thought of a couple examples of some disappointing things that happened throughout my job career. Okay, well, yeah, please. Can I give those? Yes. Uh, so I worked as a, a school photographer for a season. So okay. I was I have been a professional photographer, technically. And I once photographed an entire school, like a, hundreds of children, with glaring sun on the background behind them the whole time. And I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah. So okay. it means the background to all their pictures has just like a bright reflection of sunshine going yeah. across. And I noticed it in my camera and I didn't have the courage to tell everyone to stop. And there was nothing I could do to change it. Like the room is too small. So I took like 300 pictures with people and I had to call my boss and say, can you let the lab know there's going to be a lot of Photoshop work in this one? <laughs> um, one time when I was a referee for soccer, which is one of my early jobs, I was 13. And I made the audacious decision to give a five-year-old kid a penalty kick. And most people don't stick to the rules when they're refing little kids. Okay. And I thought, well, you need to teach these kids the way you play the game. Right. And some kid was on a breakaway, and another kid literally just fell down and grabbed the ball with their hands before it went in. So I thought, 
Okay, well, you... I don't know if I gave the other kid a red card. That's technically the rule. That would have been pretty hard. <laughs> I didn't do that. But I gave the one kid a penalty kick, and the coach lost his mind on me. It started cursing me out and, like, making fun of me. And this is, like, a grown man, and I'm, like, 13. <laughs> and uh, that really shook my confidence. I didn't have the confidence <laughs> okay. to pull out the yellow cards from there on. And then, then my last one I was thinking of is... Um, I used to clean houses for my uncle sometimes, a couple times, uh, in between, you know, when the framing was done and the drywalling. And so he'd have to sweep it out, clean it out. And we had this product, I forget what it's called, but it, you put it down on the floor so when you sweep, dust doesn't go into the air and then just settle. And I didn't know that we didn't put enough down. So we finished, we're like, wow, this house is really, you know, clean. And, you know, my uncle is like a Dutch contractor and, you know, has a high standard. We're sitting on the steps waiting for him and he shows up and he just does a walkthrough. And in the time it took for him to get there, since we called, all of the dust had settled and it looked like the house was not even, had not even been swept at all. And so I had to explain to him that I actually had stepped foot in the house and had been working mm. for several hours. And that was extraordinarily awkward. Mm. So you have an experience of meaningless with work meaninglessness with work i guess i just have feelings of shame <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i once was hired at country style uh as a sandwich artist <laughs> is that uh, what they call it yeah that's what they call it it sounds a lot more exciting than it is uh but no one actually taught me the art of sandwiching uh, so i had to kind of stumble through on my own my first rap I was supposed to make a Caesar uh, Caesar salad wrap, and I basically stuffed a bunch of lettuce leaves in and dumped some dressing on and, and attempted to fold it, uh, which you probably know this is going to end. I gave it to the customer. It, it immediately sprang apart like a bomb, and there was lettuce leaves, and she kind of gives me this look like, sandwich artist? You, you call yourself on, a sandwich artist. You sit on a throne of lies. Um, so... Anyways, we're going to stop that whole conversation there because we might spiral down. Um, so let's talk about uh, maybe for a few minutes and uh, we're going to take our time on this subject because uh, it's just a big subject and it's obviously uh, a big part of everyone's life. So we want to do it justice. So we may not get through all of our questions today. Uh, we want to be as uh, exhaustive as we can without being exhausting to the listeners. So um, let's talk about the origin and purpose of work uh, for a few minutes. Where did the notion of work come from? Is it the result of a curse? Is it the res result of the curse? Uh, was the initial intention for humanity a kind of uh, perpetual Sabbath and work kind of intervened and screwed everything up? Um, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, so to, to, to consider from a biblical perspective where work came from, we obviously have to start at the beginning in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's important is because uh, work in the beginning, work is it is it was originally tended, intended, is different than we experience it now. Mm -hmm. So uh, very much now our work is, is there's a certain futility to it. Um, it's difficult. It's it's not as fruitful as we would expect. It. Many things which we can talk about, but that is not the original purpose uh, for our work. 
So when we start with, okay, what is the purpose of work? We have to start with God. And we see in the beginning of scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, that actually God is a God who works. It says that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So whatever we think of work, it can't be wrong. It can't simply be a product of the fall because God worked. Mm -hmm. uh, God is without flaw. God is perfect in his holiness, and, and he is a God who works. And this, I think this is really important as we continue talking about this because today we kind of live for the weekend right mm -hmm. and there's a reason for that i mean work does there's, there's a mm -hmm. difficulty to work and there's you know a, a relief from weekend uh, from the weekend uh, but it was not always the case so we see that god works in genesis but you might say okay well god works and work is good for God, but he is, you know, all-knowing, all-powerful. Everything he does works out for him. Uh, work for us is not the same. Well, it says in the same book of Genesis um, that God created man and woman in his image, and he gave them this task. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So before sin, before the fall, he said to them um, to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion, and to subdue. He says in chapter 2, 15, he puts them in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. In other words, he gave work to mankind and it was part of how they would reflect him to the world that they would rule in a way that reflects his rule that as they worshiped him their creator as his creatures um, and as they uh, exercised service to creation uh, they would reflect him uh, so that's that's what work is supposed to be it's supposed to be a means of glorifying god and serving other people mm. So work, we want to start when we think about work, is that it was originally good. Mm -hmm. So I think you want to add to that? Yeah, I would, well, I would, I would summarize it and then, and then come back to what, you know, when we're talking about the problem, if we think work is bad, well, the, what Genesis teaches us is that work is, is good, and on the flip side of that, the problem is not whether or not we will work, it's it's is or is the way that we work good or how do we work and why do we work um, in such a way that it is good mm -hmm. um, in terms of Genesis I, I would also say that you see that there is a sense in which work in the garden um, is is in God's presence it is dependent on God and when Adam and Eve choose self-reliance, when they choose to eat the fruit, wanting to be like God, mm -hmm. um, the result in the curse is that, is that God um, sort of uh, enslaves them to their self-reliance. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes uh, work so futile, is, mm -hmm. is we're doing work after the curse is all dependent on ourselves. And, uh, and, and that even kind of points to the answer, that the answer is to turn back to a way of viewing work in which it is still God-dependent. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe a practical thing we can affirm is that work is tied to human dignity. Mm. And there's a reason, even going back to your example, that a lot of um, there's organizations that start and thank God for them who 
Uh, their entire purpose is to give people who don't have opportunities to work, whether it be seniors or people with developmental disabilities, an opportunity for work. Because uh, there's a sense in which most people get at some level that work is not just something we have to do, but it is somehow tied to who we are as human beings. And, and Christians who believe the Bible can say, yes, that's because we were created in God's image. And part of that means to work. Mm -hmm. So the idea of uh, a vocation or a calling has, I think, somewhat been lost to us in modern times. Uh, I just looked up a few definitions of it. One was a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. And the second was a person's employment or main occupation especially regarded as particularly worthy and requiring great dedication. Now, I'm sure uh, most of us would love to find that occupation they are particularly suited to, you know, that makes us feel fulfilled, that pays well, that contributes to something bigger than ourselves. Um, but that is just not the reality for the majority in the West and especially uh, throughout the world. So my question is, uh, is the pursuit of a vocation even possible anymore? Uh, and where is the line between uh, being content uh, kind of with one's lot in life or perhaps uh, aspiring to greater challenges or, or something perhaps with greater suitability? Mm -hmm. So when you when I got this question, you know, I thought about my school experience, especially in high school. I don't know if you guys took courses. Um, like guidance class. Do you remember guidance class? You had a or, class on guidance? Or just or maybe it's career studies? Mm, yes, careers. Career yeah. studies, mm -hmm. but it was a guidance counselor, which mm -hmm. cream job, by the way. Right. <laughs> next to a phys ed teacher, guidance counselor has to be the best. Yeah, like who quantifies guidance? <laughs> yeah, like, and, and like guidance equals here's the programs for different schools and like pick one kid. Yeah. <laughs> and if you fail, it's on you because my guidance was impeccable. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. But the question that's kind of asked repeatedly since you're a little kid is what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And kind of the assumption beneath that is that um, in order for you to find fulfillment, in order for you uh, to be happy, you need to find that one thing that you are good at, that you want to be doing and that you choose. And uh, that that's a pretty modern idea. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and the reason it's pretty modern partly is just pragmatic. Who in the world, I mean, in the history of the world, has had that opportunity? Like, I obviously don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but it is a very recent development that you can choose your occupation mm -hmm. uh, it, as far as the history of the world. Um, most people did not choose what they did for a living. Mostly it was by necessity, what do you have to do? Or what your parents did. And then it's what your parents did is, is an opportunity. And then, you know, uh, generally speaking, the more upward you are in society, you have more opportunities in education and whatnot. But even now, I mean, you think about people um, who are still born into countries where that's just not the possibility. Mm -hmm. I would say that's still the majority of the world mm -hmm. population yes. who's yeah. not Western. And so if, if vocation is simply 
what do I want to do, I choose to do, and I like to do, and to find that, then very few people will find their vocation. Mm. And and I think just practically, this is why I have a lot a lot of us feel lost as far as finding purpose in our work. So we just said, okay, work is part of being created in God's image. It's part of our dignity. What that means is you are, in a sense, going to need to find meaning in your work in order to, to be... Um, functioning in a fully human way so so we don't want to say oh get rid of that idea but what i want to come back and say is okay let's look at the definition of vocation and maybe it's something different than that and i found a lot of help um from tim keller on this and uh in his book every good endeavor in the introduction we read um the word vocare which means to call is at the root of our common word vocation Today, the word often means simply a job, but that was not the original sense. A job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to it and you do it for them rather than yourself, which is literally the opposite of what we would think of as a calling. And so our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. As we will see, thinking of our work mainly as a means of self-fulfillment and self-realization slowly crushes a person and undermines society. Hmm. And this is kind of a biblical principle you see in several areas. When we pursue our own self-fulfillment above other things, namely serving people and glorifying God, we actually lose self-fulfillment. So were we created to find fulfillment in our work? Absolutely. But the way we do that is not by first and foremost seeking our self-fulfillment and defining that as what do I want to do? What do I choose to do? What do I like to do? Fundamentally, it's about how do I glorify God in whatever I do? And how do I offer a service to others? So the calling, we, going back to the original question, what do you want to be when you grow up? We've placed the calling instead of glorifying God and serving other people. We've placed it on the specific job. We've made it terminate on the specific job. And you can't have a calling. And so many people are like, what is my calling? Because they think that it's tied exclusively to one job. Mm. Um, whereas we can have a meaningful vocation uh, in, in, in many different jobs. In, in fact, in anything. Which is why the New Testament can speak um, hope and encouragement to Christians who have no hope of upward mobility, hope and encouragement and meaning to Christians who are slaves, mm. hope and meaning and purpose to Christians who have cruel masters and no hope of changing that. And if they can, if they can change that, they should avail themselves upon it. But the gospel gives us a renewed view of vocation that doesn't make it terminate on any particular job alone, but in our relationship to God and relationship to other people. So to answer your question, we do need to recover the sense of vocation and we need to, we need to change what we view that as. And every Christian needs to understand that whatever they're doing, if they're a mom, if they're a student, if they're, you know, some blue collar job, some, in the business field, an artist, a journalist, whatever they're doing, whether they chose it, they didn't choose it, that is a vocation that can be done to the glory of God. Mm. Rylan, do you want to 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, even as you're saying that, about the idea of we really, yeah, we need to change the definition of vocation. And I think the idea of, of vocation being something that I want to do, and it, it's more based, it, it certainly sounds like something that comes from a Western culture, something that's focused on um, what is best for me, I decide what's right, uh, an autonomous kind of um, uh, right to, uh, to self-determinism. But uh, it, I think there's you also see that in Christian circles as well. When we shift away from uh, from a view of God's providence towards God's uh, uh, guidance, and I wish people could see the air quotes I'm going to put around that, because I don't want to say that God's guidance is wrong, but there's a sense in which um, when we when we deny or downplay the fact that God has put us somewhere providentially. Um, it, it immediately makes us feel as though uh, something that might be harder or more difficult or doesn't line up with what we like to do, um, we want to say it's wrong immediately. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I was really encouraged as I was getting ready for this, thinking about 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 24. Paul says, uh, So, brothers, uh, in whatever condition each was called, mm-hmm. let him there remain with God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's encouraging. In God's providence, um, he puts us in places um, where he would have us work for his glory. Our calling is to the King Jesus. He is our Lord and sovereign. And uh, and the promise is, no matter where God puts you, whether or not it's hard or lines up with what you like to do, um, God is going to be there with you. Mm-hmm. Let Him remain there with God. I think that's an encouraging thing. That yeah. what we, what our, whatever our job is, the promise is that God will be there. It's a place for us to enjoy Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another verse that kind of has been guiding our discussion about this up until this point is First uh, Corinthians fifteen. 58 and first corinthians 15 begins with paul reminding them of the gospel and the chapter ends with him saying therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast and movable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that in the lord your labor is not in vain Hmm. now i think he's referring specifically to christian ministry at least he's narrowing in on that but the principle applies to all of our labor that the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the new creation and being in him radically changes our work. And one of the ways it changes is that nothing we do is in vain. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we'll talk more about that. But that's, a, you know, it seems like so much of our work is fruitless. And yet he's saying if it's done in the Lord, it's actually not in vain. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, you raised something. If we could turn the table here sure, yeah. beforehand. So we want to push back on the idea of vocation being exclusively tied to a job and mm-hmm. kind of the, the unbearable mm-hmm. burden of that. The mm-hmm. most people feel and the disappointment and the despair in their work. But you wanted to, to push back and say at the same time, is there a place for pursuing a job that you feel uniquely gifted or suited to? Mm-hmm. And, and we want to say yes to that. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, yes. I I would say yes, too. Rylan? <laughs> well, You're well, outvoted anyways. So. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> first thought is that it goes to the idea of how do we function best in the body? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and in the same way that God uniquely puts us into the place to be a hand, a foot, an eye, mm-hmm. an ear, um, certainly God has placed us into the world to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as much as we are all humans and we share a similar nature, um, 
there is a uniqueness to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's clear. And, and when it says we reflect God's image, I don't think that's meant to... It, it, we, we always talk about how that gives dignity. Well, if we're saying it just means we're all the same, that sounds like it's taking dignity, we, dignity away. But mm-hmm. I think the uniqueness that we have and that idea of the body, I think, yeah, there is certainly a sense in which we have a unique place in which we might be best gifted to, mm-hmm. to use our uh, abilities, skills, mm-hmm. knowledge, mm-hmm. Uh, whatever else, in order to uh, work heartily to mm-hmm. the Lord. But not making that the defining moment so yeah. that if you are not optimizing uh your skills and gifts then your life is a waste Mm -hmm. um you know Mm -hmm. i i you know gain your freedom if you can Mm -hmm. uh, as paul says Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. otherwise you know continue in the calling which you've Mm -hmm. been called Mm -hmm. um so that's an encouragement i Mm -hmm. think Uh, al did you have any specific career you aspired to when you were young i did and i as i was thinking about which ones I aspired to it's 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 a pretty significant downward trajectory so it began with a doctor okay that's what i my academic career began quite strong <laughs> now was that in grade one or? that was i was uh you know it's funny i actually began with the same like i don't want to I hear thought. about your academic no career. that's what i thought i would be is i i was like i want to be a doctor but i don't even yeah. know where that came from uh maybe it's because you get like 100% everything you do. <laughs> no. You actually had a chance of being a doctor, right? I don't. Okay, we can't talk to Ryan <laughs> yeah. about this segment. <laughs> we'll skip my okay, aspirations. So it, it started with a doctor. I didn't like blood and guts. Moved to a lawyer. Moved to don't fail. Moved to... No, that isn't a career. That's just an aspiration. <laughs> that was the noblest aspiration okay. I had for a okay. long time. Is is I wonder what med school, medical school I'm going to go to, to... Oh, maybe I'll have to settle for this university to, oh, I hope I get into university (laughs) to seven year prestigious, you know, undergrad degree kicked out twice from Trent University. So I've really struggled with this. What is my calling? Mm -hmm. You know, what do I and I and I struggled in school because I didn't get this. I, I, I thought if I don't know what job I want to do, I don't know the point of anything I'm doing right now. I didn't know the point of homework. I didn't right. know the point of anything I was learning. I didn't see how I could glorify my God and some glorify God in something I hated doing or I found boring. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, when I was learning these things, it's helpful to me. I mean, I'm doing something now that I feel particularly suited to mm-hmm. and I enjoy and I love and it's not with the challenges, but most of my life is a misunderstanding of what calling and vocation are and making, you know, huge mistakes because of that. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Ben? What did you want to be? Well, if we're going back a ways, I used to want to be a vet. Um, I liked animals and uh, thought I'd like to make them feel better. Nice. And then one time I went to a veterinary clinic and saw a vet wrestling with a vicious doberman trying to give him a shot (laughs) and at that moment i thought to myself i don't think i want to be a vet anymore i can't picture myself putting a rear naked choke on a doberman um i i've struggled with this as well uh the past several years i spent um uh at a great company but the work was somewhat tedious it mm-hmm. was uh, an assembly line and i struggled with those same things mm-hmm. how am i i'm not doing anything 
meaningful mm-hmm. in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very frustrating and felt like I kind of had to um, just endure it mm-hmm. until something more meaningful came along. Yeah. Um, but those were those were very f- formative years, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't see them as a waste. And, and God was definitely humbling me in those years. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, everyone can't do this, but uh, at that particular activity, I was able to, to listen to sermons and books and mm-hmm. and uh, just process some things uh, for myself. And and so. Even even perhaps jobs we feel are a write off can can be redeemed, in a cosmic sense, yes, but also uh, perhaps for personal development. Uh, there's flexibility there. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rylan, did you have any childhood? Oh, you know, I I can't even remember a lot of them. I, I think before before I you know was certain that I was a Christian. Um, I grew up in the church, but most of my most of my aspirations towards a career were pretty pretty money driven just mm. like they're not even worth recalling what the they were line, or just like yeah. what was what was most interesting at the moment like i don't i don't remember having a pretty um distinct feeling like this is the job i really want to go into mm-hmm. um and i remember after becoming a christian um i had a certain pushback towards uh towards pastoral ministry uh, only cuz i felt like every christian feels like they need to become a pastor <laughs> And <laughs> that's worth talking about. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, um, I don't think that that's the case. And I guess maybe we'll come back to that, but, um, yeah, I felt like I wanted, I, I felt like a real redemptive sense of, I just want to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I always wanted to have a family and be a father. So in terms of specific career, I think I maybe fell off the end of saying, uh, you know, maybe pushing back a little too hard against the calling and mm-hmm. thinking like, right. um, I don't need to have a specific uh, vocational job. I just need to work hard and provide for a family. And that's mm-hmm. what I wanted. So mm-hmm. maybe that kind of gives it from a different perspective. Yeah. To the oh, two of you great, guys. Could we just, we'll probably wrap this one up sooner so, than yeah. later, but I want to talk about that briefly because I think a lot of people feel this when they become a Christian and, and they realize their life has an entirely new orientation mm-hmm. and motivation and their reasons for working are totally different. And this is actually a big reason why I struggled my teen years. I didn't know what the purpose of secular work was. Mm-hmm. And I think the church uh, can easily, even just by not explicitly explaining what the purpose of our work is, give that impression mm-hmm. that yes. what the pastor does, what yeah. the deacons do, what the small group leaders, what you do in your Bible study, how you are involved in missions is important, but everything else is kind of passing the time in order to do those things. Mm-hmm. And this is something the church has wrestled with. I mean, I was reading about Luther this week and, you know, one of the major reforms that he brought about was a, a renewed understanding of the priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. the sanctity of all labor to get rid of the divide between the sacred and the secular, um, that there is not something more valuable in what a priest does than what a shoemaker does mm. in one sense, mm-hmm. that they can both be done to the glory of God and they can both be done in service and love to our neighbor. And we need to recover a more holistic view of those mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. I don't know everyone's experience, but I certainly felt that. Mm-hmm. I felt that if I want to love people and serve people, what in the world is the point of pursuing my degree? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the point of pursuing a skill and a trade? 
Um, how does that serve the kingdom? And that's something, well, one, we just begin by saying it does. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just because you get money to give to those things. Oh, that, that's great too. Um, but your labor and the way you reflect Christ in the world is massively important and is of just as much value. They're just different roles. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's an important point to make. Well, I think we are going to wrap it up. Um, I feel like I know you guys better at the end of this half hour. I think um, I could say the same about both of you. That may or may not be a... I think it's a good thing. It is a good <laughs> thing. Okay. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this half hour. Again, our, our aim in these podcasts is to uh, elaborate on a theology for life. Um, the th theology is for life. And if we can help uh, Christians understand that a bit more and, and understand, understand ourselves a bit more, uh, then we've done our job. So again, um, send us an email if you have any uh, questions or comments on this episode or suggestions for other topics. Uh, you can get a hold of us by going on thegatheringptbo.ca. Uh, our emails are there, I believe. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this, and we'll see you next week. Bye.